0: This morning we are reading from the 46th Psalm. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Salah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He, he makes wars to cease and to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted. In the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Our Father, as we come to this wonderful song that you inspired so many years ago, we look out in our world and we see so many things that are wrong right now, so many divisions, so many distractions so many ways that we even as the church can divide ourselves and father as we come into this time we we understand that so many things that the world has confidence in has been shaken it seems like the very earth is falling out from among us we're hearing of earthquakes and hurricanes and Uh, Wars and rumors of wars and persecutions of uh, our brothers and sisters and nations like Nigeria. Lord, we're hearing of, even here in America, churches that are paying uh, hefty fines and all of those things, even just to meet. Father, we come to you this morning as a people who are needy, as a people who are desperate. Understanding that it's not good people who worship Jesus, but it's desperate people who run to Jesus. So Father, I pray that you will give us a desperation for you. A holy desperation to place our confidence and our trust in you. And may the the timeless truths of this psalm awaken our hearts to both our desperation and our firm, strong, and mighty fortress that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, move me aside and speak to the hearts as I explain your word this morning. May it do its work in all of our hearts. It is in your name we pray, amen. Now, as you may wanna turn and follow along in your own copy of the word of God to the 46th Psalm this morning. I had said since we had come to a, kind of a, a breaking point, a break in Galatians that I would take maybe a week or two off just to uh, kind of give us a break from Galatians and uh, and also to uh, address maybe some other topics other some uh, uh, provide some encouragement. I did not intend to be gone last week, so once again, uh, Brother Stefan. Uh, Thank you so much for filling in for me. And uh, I guess great minds think alike because we're kind of thinking on the same uh, direction this morning. So great minds think alike, brother, and so do ours. So, uh, <laughs> but let me ask you a question. And maybe uh, maybe you don't have to imagine this too much, but just imagine that you live in a nation that is in social, political, and religious turmoil that multitudes are dying around you from a deadly epidemic. Your home even has had to be used to be opened up as a hospital to where sick people are coming into your very home and you have watched some of your very good friends die on your own couch. You have a one-year-old son who has almost died just as you have discovered that your wife has become pregnant with the second child. And to top all of this off, you are suffering from heart problems and constant intestinal problems that bring you debilitating pain all throughout your entire body. What do you do? What do you do? Well, if your name is Martin Luther, you turn to the 46th Psalm. And it is out of his reflections of the Psalm and out of his meditations of the Psalms and one of the lowest points of his life that he penned the words of that great hymn that we sang earlier, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. It was out of his sufferings that he wrote that hymn. We don't know the exact circumstances that this psalm was written under. Uh, Some people say that it was the Assyrian invasion of Israel. It was when Jerusalem was under siege that uh, this psalm was written. Uh, Some people suggest that. Other people suggest that the psalmist was reflecting back on the Exodus, and they get that from certain things in the text that that you will see as we go through the actual psalm. Uh, The truth of the matter is that we don't know much about it historically. We do know a couple of things. For example, we know that this is a psalm that was used in the worship of Israel uh, to be sung by a soprano course. You say, "How do you know that?" Well, uh, one of the reasons I read the psalm title this morning—I don't normally do that—but uh, in the psalm title, you'll see that word "according to Alamoth," and that word is actually the Hebrew plural for the word "alma," which means young woman or virgin. So we are talking about young ladies here who would have had very high-pitched, high register of voices. And so this song, at least as it was used in the worship of Israel, was meant to be sung in a soprano high notes. So just so you know, sometimes we complain that a song that we sing in the morning is a little too high for us to sing. Just so you know, Israel sometimes had the same problem. So, uh, so there's nothing new under the sun. I guess they were the Hillsong of the day. I don't know. I don't know. Hillsong or heretics. So I don't want to compare them to that. So, uh, so anyway. Uh, but let's uh, let's move on. We don't know the situation of Psalm 46, but many of the things that we see in the psalm are timeless. The fact of the matter is that life is short and full of trouble, and one of the bill of goods that modern social science has sold to us is that if you are suffering if you are hurting if you are going through a hard time somehow and you're having a hard time with the hard time then somehow you are abnormal beloved let me just dispel that myth right now suffering is a part of life we live in a ruined world And sometimes we suffer to a greater degree than others. And there will be times in all of our lives that it feels like our world is crashing down around us. And I think for many of us, we know what that feels like right now. For some of us, we do anyway. You can read on social media, everybody's into this uh, 2020 bashing. Have you, have you seen that? They're doing all these memes, you know, who had tornado for 2020? Who, you know, the 2020 bingo that everybody's playing, you know, tornadoes, hurricanes, fires, uh, you know, all of this stuff. But one thing that when chaos comes in our life, one thing that chaos will reveal in our lives is what we put our confidence in. And in fact, one of the greatest causes of confidence, one of the greatest reasons why we will begin to suffer greatly when chaos comes is because the very things that we put our confidence in start to tear down and they start to fail us. And so this Psalm is timeless because Psalm 46 is inviting us to build our confidence on the mighty fortress that is our God. Build our confidence in God alone. When life gets chaotic, God is the only sure confidence that we can build on. He is the only sure confidence that we have. We're going to see that in three stanzas in the psalm. The psalm divides up nicely into three verses. Verses. Uh, divided by that word selah, which we think means kind of a meditative pause as you're singing the song. And so let's let's look at this together. Our three, our our three stanzas of, of building our confidence in God. And, and number one, what we see here is that our confidence is in God's power. In fact, I'll just go ahead and give you all three. Our confidence is in God's power, our confidence is in God's. Um, I said I was going to. Our confidence is in God's um, presence and our confidence is in God's praise. And so let's look at God's power and why it gives us confidence. It says here in verse one, our God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I want you to notice first of all that his power is to help us. It's his power to help us when we are in trouble. The word uh, refuge, it stresses this place of security and protection, a place that we can hide. You have kind of the mental image of a fortress that is built into a high mountain, a high rock, like a cave or something where, where someone can hide into the rock and it cannot be moved. It's a, it stresses safety and security. It stresses um, protection And these terms together, refuge and strength, God is our refuge and strength when we find them together. The idea is, is that his his help for us is comprehensive and complete. He is both a protection and he is a strength for us. He is able to both protect us and fight for us. And so he says that he is a very present help in times of trouble. In times of need, very present is is well proven. He is he has proven himself over and over and over again. He is sure and he is well proved. Really, the idea is sufficient. That God is our all sufficient help in times of chaos. When our world is falling apart, there is complete safety in him. So much so that the psalmist stresses this safety in God's power even over all the chaos. Look at verses 2 and 3. He says, Therefore, you will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble at its swelling. This is the chaos, the psalmist is describing a scene of absolute and total chaos. Look at the language here. Most, Most people think that what he's describing is an earthquake. And if you've ever been in an earthquake... Thankfully, I have not. But uh, if you've ever been in an earthquake, you can probably relate to some of this language. Mountains slipping into the heart of the sea, waters ro- uh, roaring and foaming, and, and mountains swaying. That word literally means dancing. It's, it's mountains are moving back and forth because the earth is so chaotic. You know, mountains are typically symbols of strength. They're typically symbols of stability. People built fortresses on mountains because they were secure. But the psalmist says that even when things get chaotic, our our greatest sources of strength and stability, when they descend into chaos, God stands above them all in his stability and in his strength. The English translation in most of our Bibles make this a little more hypothetical. It says, uh, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the sea, uh, actually the language is, is, more, uh, is, is, is more precise. It's actually saying when these things happen, when the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, when the, when the oceans roar and foam, it's more definite And when our world is literally falling apart, that is when Christ shows himself strong. That is when we find the real strength of our God. Refuge and strength that is comprehensive. It is total. So therefore he says in verse two, therefore we will not fear What is there to be afraid of when God is our God? What is there to be afraid of when our faith is in the God of heaven? Our faith is in Jesus Christ. What is there to be afraid of? He is our refuge and strength. Strength for what? He strengthens us and enables us to respond in faith. You know, the measure of spiritual maturity is not that you are free of chaos, but when the chaos comes, how do we respond? Do we respond in faith in Christ? That's spiritual maturity, not the absence of trouble, but faithful response to trouble. We live in a fallen world, beloved. Trouble is coming. Trouble is here and trouble is permanent so long as we are here. The measure of spiritual maturity is how we respond to it. That we depend upon the protection and we glean upon the strength of our God to respond to it in a way that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ. God's power is sufficient for us. Sufficient help not only to trust him for the outcome, but to express our faith in obedience in the midst of trouble, in the midst of need, we have confidence in his power. Beloved, chaos is no excuse to sin. Chaos and trouble and need is no excuse to respond sinfully. And so we respond by depending upon the refuge and strength of our God. And he strengthens us to respond in a faithful way while at the very same time protects us. We trust him for the outcome. And so we have confidence in his power, but number two, we have confidence in his presence. And in verse four, the psalmist is gonna kind of change gears, switch gears. And what we see here in verse four is that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. I want you to notice that His presence is our calm. In verses two and three, we saw waters that were roaring and foaming and, and swelling and the waves were fell, swelling up even to cover the mountains. And, and we see all of this chaos going around and, and the psalmist says, but in the city of God, there is a river. There is a calm and flowing river. It's no more destructive force. It's not complete disaster, but it is a calm, serene river that flows through the city. You know, most people think that he's describing Jerusalem here, and so they classify this psalm as a psalm of Zion. But, you know, um, in all honesty, I don't don't think that there is a river that flows through Jerusalem. Uh, The psalmist is not describing Jerusalem here. Not the earthly Jerusalem. But he is describing, you remember from the Garden of Eden, you remember the rivers went out from the garden. You remember in the, in the, in the last creation, the new heavens and the new earth, the, the, the crystal sea that flows from the throne of God. In the city of God, there is a river that flows that is calm, serene. And I don't know about you guys, but there's no more calm place to be in nature than a flowing stream of river just calming. It just helps. This calm scene is the contrast. He's not thinking of a specific city. He's, he's thinking of the contrast between, between the chaotic oceans of the sea that, that represent the nations and the world and the chaos of sin with the calm and serenity of the city of God and those who are in the presence of God. That's what he's contrasting here. The waters of chaos pull down even the greatest mountains in the world. But in God's city, the water flows through peaceful streams and flows through the city and gives us everything that we need. And even when the world descends into complete and total chaos, there is a calm, there is a quiet confidence in the presence of our God. There is serenity. There is peace. In fact, uh, I didn't put it on the board. Actually, I might put this one on the board. Psalm, uh, not Psalm, Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In other words, come into his presence. And what happens? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. It's a peace that defies understanding. When all the world is literally falling apart in the presence of God, there there is a peace and there is a comfort that the world cannot explain. Why? Because they don't know God. But we do. And because we know God, we know Jesus Christ, there there is a calm. There is a peace in the midst of the storm. I was talking to someone yesterday about COVID and I mentioned that I've, you know, I've just always assumed that I'm going to get it at some point, you know, with Roxanne working at the clinic or, or the kids going to school. I'm, I'm assuming at some point I'm going to have it. And uh, they asked me, they said, aren't you scared? I said, well, I don't want to be sick. No. A beloved the worst thing that COVID-19 can do to me is put me in the presence of Jesus. That's all it's got on me. So bring it on. I don't want to tempt fate, but that's okay because we don't believe in fate. So bring it on. <laughs> that's the worst thing, absolute worst. If the worst thing you can do to me is put me in face to face with Jesus Christ, I'm okay with that. I'm okay there's a peace. There's a, there's a security in that. There's a hope in that. And because he is there, look at verse three, because God, excuse me, verse four, verse five, sorry, I'll get in a second. And verse five, look at verse five. It says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. That word be moved is actually the same word that you find in verse two that describes the mountains being moved. In other words, when when the world is literally swaying and moving back and forth and is completely unstable, those who are in the city of God find complete stability and peace. We are not affected by the shaking of the earth. The one in the presence of God will not fall. Fall. We will not fail. We will not be moved. His presence is our calm and his presence is our security. It goes on in the middle of verse 5. It says, God will help her when the morning comes. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was translating the psalm, uh, that phrase was really weird. I had to look it up um, you find the morning coming in, in several other passages, but this, this, was, this is a different phrase that I'd never actually seen before. And so I looked it up I had to look it up and it said, well, when the morning comes, I was like, well, that's simple enough. Why in the world is he using this? You know, it's, this phrase is only actually used one more time in the entire Old Testament. And guess where it is? In Exodus chapter 14. In fact, turn there for a second, Exodus chapter 14, in verse 27, at Exodus 27, 14. At Exodus 14, verse 27, here's what it says. When Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal co- course, and here's the phrase, when the morning appeared and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. God plunged Egypt into the sea in judgment and simultaneously brought final salvation to his people in Israel. And when the psalmist was pinning this psalm, he used this phrase back here to bring us back to this point to remember that ultimate salvation is found in God ultimate foundation ultimate salvation is found in the presence of god that he is our security and when the entire world comes against us and they will When Egypt is chasing us into the sea, and they will. When the world is persecuting us, and they will. When the world is calling us bigots and and all of these things, and they will. Remember, our salvation is not in their respectability, but our salvation is in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who one day will judge his enemies. When the morning comes, he will be our final salvation. He will be our final help. He will be our final hope. And he will come through for us. And and, and what he does in this stanza is that he moves from natural disaster to national disaster. In verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter which, by the way, are the same verbs that he used to describe the sea and the mountains a second ago. So, so many connections in this psalm. But he says, when the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, all of these things, when they are crashing around us, though the entire world turns against us, they will descend into chaos. He says, he speaks his voice and the earth melts. We know the future outcome of this, don't we? 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. I'll just read it very quick. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief when the, when the heavens pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus dissolved, what sort of people you ought to be in, in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. The environmentalists don't like what we're doing to the earth. Wait until they see what Jesus does to it. We know the final outcome of this, don't we? That, the, that God, with only the instrumentality of his voice, with only the instrument of his voice, he commands and he defeats his enemy. Just like in the rebellion of Korah against Moses, he speaks the word and literally the earth falls out from beneath their feet. The earth melts away. So once again, what is there to fear? What is there to fear? What is our confidence in? Who is there to fear? Come into his presence and know his peace. It says the Lord of hosts, the Yahweh of armies, the every army in the world ultimately answers to God and ultimately obeys him. And everything that God brings into our lives, either through national disaster or through natural disaster, he is doing it in order to make us more like Jesus Christ, to glorify himself in us when we respond like Christ. In his presence, there is confidence. There is security. There is calm. You say, how do you come into his presence? Well, well, for the first time, you need to come into his presence by way of the gospel, by way of salvation, by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and work alone, by faith alone. But then as a Christian, you also need to come into his presence regularly. You need, a, you need to come into his presence and worship uh, when the body gathers to worship and respond to the grace of our Lord, you need to be here. When, when you're at home, you need to be regularly. Uh, uh, Philippian, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, I would go back and, and read those verses, verses 6 through 9. And it talks about how we come into his presence through prayer. We come into his presence by renewing our mind. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is noble, whatever is beautiful, think on these things Renewing our minds. And he also speaks of, of responding in faithful obedience. These things that you've seen and heard in me do these things. That we come into the presence of the Lord. I would I would encourage you to, to reflect on that passage this afternoon, Philippians chapter four, verses six through nine. How we come into God's presence. And and the more we come into his presence, we will find more confidence to weather the chaos of the world. And so our confidence is in his power. Our confidence is in his presence. And then finally, and very quickly, our confidence is in his praise. I closed my Bible. Uh, don't close your Bibles yet. <laughs> uh, Psalm 46, it's very quickly. It says, come, behold the works of the Lord how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. These last few verses move from descriptions to instructions, as the Psalms often do. Uh, When Israel worshiped, there was instruction in their worship, which is uh, something that I believe we need to get back to. The last few verses are instructions to the community of faith that we come into his presence with praise and and we come into him and we behold him. And the more we behold him, the more we will see that our confidence is secure in him. So, how can we do that? Well, first of all, be amazed at his sovereignty. Be amazed at his sovereignty. Come behold, he brings the earth to desolations, to nothing. And all the methods of the world's warfare are brought to nothing when they come against the Lord. He makes the wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns their chariots with fire. Back during this day, there was no more destructive force, there was no more Channel of victory than war chariots. But we don't, but some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord our God. We we are amazed at his sovereignty. The the psalmist is inviting us to, to come and behold his works, come and see, come and look. The best way to be amazed at a sovereignty is simply to remember and rehearse the things that he has done. There's two sources for this. Number one, obviously, is the scriptures. His works among Israel, his works among his people. Maybe maybe there are biblical stories that you learned in Sunday school that, that are close to your heart. Reflect on those stories often. Maybe for some reason they just speak to you. Maybe for some reason they, they just connect with you. I know for, for many of us we, we feel a certain affinity to Peter because we just feel like we're putting our foot in our mouth all the time. Maybe maybe you feel closer to John and Sons of Thunder, or, or maybe you feel closer to Daniel, or maybe you feel closer to Joseph, or maybe what whatever it is, whatever, whatever thing that God has done in the history of Israel, whatever, whatever thing that God has done in, in the scriptures reflect and rehearse on those things often. Remember, when you are reading the stories of the Bible, you're not just reading stories, you're reading your history. This is the history of redemption. These are the works that God has done to bring salvation to you. This is your history. So read it, know it, and love it. And rehearse it often and build your confidence. But also your own personal life. I think all of us can have testimonies of times that God showed himself particularly strong to you. And one of the great advantages of gray hair is that we have, or you have, a a long history of God's faithfulness in your life. You have many ways that you can go back and look on ways that God at certain times has just come through, especially strong for you. Remember those times. Reflect on those times. And then surrender to his lordship. Be amazed at his sovereignty. And surrender to his lordship. Verse 10, a a verse we all know. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted on the earth. uh, Among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The word be still, it it means stop fighting. Stop striving. Stop trying to solve your own chaos with the tools of the world. Know that he is God, that his glory is the chief end of your life. He will be exalted over the nations and he will be exalted over the earth. Let me ask you a question. What do we fear? We fear people and we fear nature, right? We fear people, what they may do to us. We, feel, we fear nature, things that may happen to us, through it be it death or whatever. God says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Beloved, there is nothing to fear. We don't have to fear the earth. We don't have to fear the nations. God will be exalted over it all. There is nothing to fear. And his glory is always our greatest good. His glory is that we will be made more like Jesus Christ and reflect his glory back to him. And everything he brings into our life is to that end. so once again, he ends by repeating verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, the Lord of hosts is with us. That word, that phrase with us, you know what it is? Imanu. Imanu. Can you think of another word that has that in it? Emmanuel God is with us and the way we know God is through the ultimate the ultimate keeping of that promise that God is with us through Jesus Christ The book of Matthew begins with that, that his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And it ends with a great promise that Jesus says, behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. God is with us when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And when we place our faith in Christ, in him we have the power of God, we have the presence of God, we have the praise of God. Even though all the world is falling into chaos around us, beloved, there is nothing to fear. You can take the whole world, just give me Jesus, and it's enough. It's enough. Do you have that confidence in Christ? Maybe maybe your world is shaking right now, maybe your world is falling apart and and you're wondering, where can my confidence be? Beloved, you can put your confidence in Jesus Christ. He will be a sure help for you and a sufficient help in your time of need. So do you trust him? Or are we still putting our hope and confidence in things that will fall into the sea, that will melt from underneath us. Let's take our eyes off of those things and place our confidence in Jesus Christ. Our Father, we thank you for these wonderful promises you give us. We thank you for your amazing strength and protection over us. And Lord, I pray as we come to the end of this time that we will know that you are exalted. You will be exalted in the nations. You will be exalted over the earth. And And come what may, whether it come through the nations or whether it come through the earth, there is nothing to fear. Your glory, your exaltation is always our greatest good. And even if we must go through pain, Lord, may that pain purify us. May that pain cause us to rely on you more. May that pain bring us closer to you and deepen our dependence upon you. To see that the world in all of its cultural lies are just that. That you are our all in all. Lord, we exalt you and we pray that you will be exalted in this morning and in our lives. Let's stand and let's sing this last song together.